0: Hi, this is episode four of the Uprooted podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. In the first three episodes of Uprooted, uh, Johan Cobert did a series on NAFTA and trade basics. We're still going to be doing the long form recordings uh, of of Uprooted in the IATP podcast, but in the interim, uh, we're going to be featuring interviews with IATP staff members about the work that they're doing. Uh, this first episode is a Uh, interview with IATP senior attorney Sharon Treat and is an extension of the NAFTA series. Sharon has been following the NAFTA renegotiation very closely and was recently at the most recent round of NAFTA renegotiations in Ottawa, Canada. So Sharon, can you get us up to speed on what's been happening with the NAFTA renegotiation so far and tell us a bit about the process?
1: Sure. Thanks, Josh. Um, Well, uh, this was the third round of negotiations uh, between Canadian, U.S., and Mexican um, negotiators in the space of uh, less than two months. And that is, just to put this in perspective, completely unusual in terms of how uh, trade agreements are negotiated. Uh, Basically, they've been meeting every two or three weeks. Uh, In past negotiations that I and others are familiar with, such as the Trans-Pacific Partnership or the uh, proposed trade deal with Europe, the negotiating rounds were usually two uh, months or sometimes three months apart, which gave plenty of time for civil society to find out what was going on, for the negotiators themselves to understand um, the proposals. This is being done uh, even, U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer used the term at warp speed, and others have used terms simply saying this is just plain reckless because uh, they, they're moving way too fast to involve people and to even know what they're talking about uh, half the time.
0: Wow, and can you back up just a bit and give us sort of an overview of how trade negotiations uh, normally work and what the USTR's role is in the federal government?
1: Sure, the USTR or US trade representative is an office that's part of the executive branch of the president. It's actually in the office of the president. And so that's usually the primary um, negotiator for the US government. Um, they come up come up with um, proposals um, usually in with extensive consultation with various agencies of US government. Um, and then those uh, texts are shared or not shared, depending on uh, the administration with some members of Congress, as well as so-called cleared advisors who are largely uh, representative of industry, uh, who have an opportunity to see the text before it is um, pro- you know, provided to the other country's negotiators, and there's actually negotiations around that.
0: And you're a, you are a cleared advisor, but you're not allowed to talk about what you see, right?
1: Right. There there are mostly these industry committees, but there's a couple that are based uh, on other criteria. And the one I'm on represents state and local government because I serve on a commission that's made up of um, civil society and um, government officials in the state of Maine looking at trade policy. So I represent that on a committee called the Intergovernmental Policy Advisory Committee. Um, so we do get a chance to look at some text. I will say that... Um, and we're supposed to be able to give comments on it but like what's happened in in this negotiation over the renegotiation re- of nafta is that this text is literally posted you know a day or before it's it's being offered as, you know, for negotiation. So the the idea that that you can look at five or six or 10 or 20 pages of text and be able to provide useful comments uh, without being able to consult with anybody else that might be an expert on the subject and then provide those comments in the space of, you know, a day or so, it isn't really consultation and um, it doesn't, you know, I don't think it's going to result in a better process uh, at all.
0: And you know, one of the things that we constantly said uh, during the Trans-Pacific Partnership was that trade policy is the lobbyists making laws behind closed doors and the legislators don't get Mm. to see it until after it's done. And it sounds like with uh, NAFTA renegotiation, they've kind of taken that and put it on steroids so it's even less transparent than the untransparent TPP.
1: Well, that's certainly true. I mean, the TPP was not an ideal process, and we had plenty of complaints about it um, under the last administration. Um, this process is even worse. For example, uh, under the TPP process, at a Minimum, there were opportunities for civil society groups such as IATP to give presentations to negotiators uh, in public forums uh, and there were also regular briefings um, of civil society and other stakeholders, including industry groups uh, by the chief negotiators at every round and opportunity to ask questions in front of the media uh, and all of that. That's all gone away. Um, There's no opportunities for uh, civil society stakeholders to make presentations. Things are going so fast. In fact, we had a conversation with one of the Canadian um, officials who said, "Well, this is just going so fast. There's no possibility whatsoever for us to, um, you know, take account of stakeholders and, you know, have kind of meetings with them and, um, you know, an opportunity for them to present." I mean, you can set up meetings one on one if those negotiators are willing to do so. Uh, But that is sort of a very inside game that, you know, uh, very few um, organizations really have the capacity to do that. And it's very much limited with whether the negotiators want to talk to you. And even getting the names of the negotiators is pretty much, um, you know, very, very difficult.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, IETP has been uh, following NAFTA renegotiation since before the renegotiation started, Um, We had a meeting of civil society. Uh, We helped to coordinate that meeting in Mexico City in May. Mm -hmm. And you were just at the negotiation round in Ottawa, which was sort of the first time that civil society has really been uh, present and coordinated uh, in the first three rounds. Uh, Can you talk about uh, both meetings and what the interaction with civil society, other groups in civil Mm -hmm. society has been like?
1: Yeah, no, it's actually quite an interesting opportunity for, um, uh, you know, unions, for farm worker groups, for consumer groups, uh, for teachers, uh, just a wide range of people um, got together in Mexico City uh, back at uh, end of May and hashed out a declaration of what a a good trade agreement might look like um, what fair trade might look like, and the kinds of things that should be in a renegotiated NAFTA, starting with uh, not giving greater rights to to transnational corporations to sue, for example, um, you know different countries because they didn't like the the policies, whether it was the Keystone XL pipeline or whether it was, uh, you know, protecting uh, fishing grounds in Nova Scotia. These are all issues that have come up in that. Um, sort of forum. So we came up with this declaration. It was a a several-day process, and you can imagine with hundreds of people in the room, it it was uh, challenging. But we did come up with something that Canadian, U.S., and Mexican groups all signed on to. So at this round in Ottawa, that was an opportunity for us to take uh, this declaration uh, and hand it to uh, people who might look at it. Now, um, I don't really think the negotiators are following our template. In fact, I know they're not. But <laughs> we did take it to members of the Canadian Parliament, and we had a really nice uh, opportunity to to stand on in front of the Parliament buildings in Ottawa, which are quite impressive and, and you know, Pretty spectacular actually and we read parts of the of the um, tri-national declaration um, which I got to do as well and I got to hand my scroll uh, of this uh, declaration to um, Martin Woulet, who is the leader of the Boc uh, Quebecois, uh, which is, um, you know, part of the parliament, but also in the Quebec parliament. And there were representatives of all, all, a number of different uh, political parties there who um, participated in this. And then we went on to have additional meetings as uh, civil society organizations, uh, including, you know, women's groups. There was a representative of the Mi'kmaq tribe and the indigenous concerns which have really risen to the top from the Canadian perspective and were shared with the rest of us labor groups and we had a a morning or afternoon of um, panel discussions to kind of learn the different perspectives and also a panel of uh, legislators to talk about their concerns about what was going on uh, and their concern about being shut out of the process and their concerns that this renegotiation isn't really following the 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 principles that we would like to see, which is really treating people fairly and not basically, you know, expanding uh, the corporate rights that are already, um, you know, pretty um, pervasive and that were basically what the TPP did.
0: Right, right, right. Um, Just give us an overview of uh, the declaration as well as what IATP has been saying should be included in a renegotiated NAFTA.
1: Well, the declaration, in addition to the the point about investor state dispute settlement, which is what I was describing as the Mm -hmm. the corporate opportunities to sue states for regulations they don't like, um, we also focused on um, human rights, uh, fair wages um, for working people, uh, making sure that we're not, um, you know, pitting workers from one country against another with this kind of race to the bottom. Uh, and that you know any new trade agreement coming out of this NAFTA process should have those um, principles at its core. Uh, In terms of what IATP specifically has been um, lobbying for or or asking for, um, we are very much in tune with those who are saying get rid of the investor state uh, provisions, but we're also saying here's an opportunity perhaps to put the um, country of origin labeling back into a trade agreement. It was challenged. um, uh, Labeling of meat was taken out of our laws because of a trade challenge brought by Mexico and Canada. So... Part of what we're saying is, hey, if we're gonna have renegotiation of these issues, here's an opportunity, you have everybody in the room, maybe we can come up with a way of making sure that consumers know what's in their food and farmers uh, can get the benefit of people knowing that um, this is farm-raised food um, from one country or another. Um, another big issue that we've been uh, talking about is, has to do with um, dairy policy. Uh, dairy farms are suffering everywhere in the three countries, particularly Canada and, and, and the U.S. have, have a, a lot of dairy farms with farmers really struggling and, and, and literally dumping um, uh, uh, milk out on the ground uh, because they're producing too much and aren't being paid enough. So Canada has a system, it's called the Dairy Supply Management System that keeps the amount of dairy produced kind of in uh, line with what consumers want to buy and it it helps support farms be sustainable. And this is a system that IETP thinks, hey, if that works in Canada, they should be allowed to do that. It shouldn't be trumped by a trade agreement. And if there's farms and, and farm policy in the U.S. that needs to be fixed up, maybe this is a model we could look at, as opposed to the priority of the of the current administration is to get rid of uh, that system in Canada as part of the NAFTA deal. So, you know, those are a couple of uh, the issues that we're working on. We're, we're also very concerned about making sure that food safety laws are not um, undermined by this trade agreement. There was a lot of things in the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, proposal, which is now you know public documents, so anyone can look at it, and um, it really would have undermined. It. our our food safety uh, laws, as well as just the ability of countries to adopt protective regulations of any kind, whether it's consumer regulations or worker safety regulations um, or environmental policy, uh, climate, uh, protecting our climate and improving and addressing climate change. These are all things that we think our renegotiated NAFTA should um, promote. And it certainly shouldn't um, be used as a way to, uh, to prevent us um, from doing those things. And that's the big concern. The TPP would have prevented uh, sort of progressive forward action on these um, policies and, and towards these goals. And we want to make sure that this renegotiated NAFTA doesn't turn into, um, you know, basically the TPP with only three countries.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So to walk, uh, to wrap up the process, why don't you just sort of walk us through what's next with NAFTA and then, you know, how do we make sure that those priorities don't get into today?
1: Yeah. Well, the next round is in two weeks. Uh, So get ready. And it's going to be in Washington, D.C. or in the area. Uh, Again, there's not a great deal of transparency, even about where these rounds are meeting. It's starting on October 11th. And my understanding is that a major focus is going to be on this whole system of dispute resolution and whether or not corporations can sue countries, which means that this is an opportunity for everybody who has been talking about this, who's been signing petitions, uh, saying that we shouldn't have um, this system in NAFTA, can come to Washington, D.C., or weigh in on Twitter and and Facebook and say, yes, we are in agreement with uh, making sure that this is not in um, the new NAFTA. And this is an opportunity to do that. There's going to be, and that's the fourth round, There's going to be several more rounds before um, the end of December. Uh, It then goes to Mexico at the end of October beginning of November and then there'll be a round back in Ottawa uh, in um, the the middle of November and then the final round that we know of has been scheduled for um, somewhat early in December back in Washington DC or at least in the United States. So there's going to be many opportunities to weigh in quickly uh, and I think people really need to, because this is happening so quickly that there isn 't an opportunity to really know what 's what 's happening, uh, and bad things happen in the dark and uh, and mm-hmm. this is pretty much in the dark, so you know we need to do what we can to to raise attention to to these issues and to the to the, the process, which is you know seriously flawed, uh, slow things down and make sure that uh, you know any agreement that comes out of this is the kind of agreement that we want, which is about fair trade, you know, human rights and human dignity, uh, you know, and you know safe food, water, and sustainable agriculture.
0: Well, Sharon, thanks a lot for talking with me. Uh, This is the Uprooted Podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more information, including to view our NAFTA portal with 25 years worth of research on NAFTA, visit www.iatp.org. Next week's episode is going to be looking at our Farm to Institution program. October is Farm to School Month, and Farm to Institution is an alternative to the global commodity export agricultural system. I'm Josh Wise. You've been listening to Uprooted. Have a good week.